With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joyce is going to share her testimony with us today. Our theme is, along with uh, this month, the entire month we've been talking about Christian living and Christian fellowship. And I've asked Joyce if she would give her personal testimony to us all today. Hi, Joyce. Hello. Well, first I want to say that God did not bless me with a singing voice, so I really appreciate how beautiful that sounded this morning. So, but, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a, a voice like that. I know I will. <laughs> so I was just going to share a few minutes of um, what my life story has been, my faith walk. So when I, I was born in 1955, so you all know that I turned 60, I think along with Pam. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was little, I got dropped off at the church door. My mom did make sure I went to ch Sunday school, um, but I got dropped off at the church door, and I attended Sunday school till I was probably in junior high. Um, I remember, though, my, one of my earliest memories as a child, spiritual memory, is I remember, the I must have heard the story of Paul, Saul being transformed into Paul in Sunday school. Because I remember one night in bed, and I could still remember where my bed was in the old farmhouse. Um, I remember just praying fervently to the Lord, Lord, please, I want to be like, I want to be like Saul, and I want to have those those scales drop from my eyes. Of course, I woke up the next morning, and there were no scales. But so so I feel like God has been there since an early age. I do remember. I feel like He's always protected me even when I was wandering aimlessly in the world. Um, I remember at one point, and I don't know why this happened, but I remember my, my mom and my sister and some neighbor people getting together and doing a seance type of thing, which is really scary now when I think about it. They did this thing called Talk Little Table, and you, I don't need to give you the details, but you'd get in a room and there'd be three people around a card table just like this, and they'd, they'd call on the spiritual realm and say, talk little table, talk little table. And my sister, who at the time I thought, wow, she could get that table to rise up. And then they'd say, okay, one's for yes and two for no. Are you grandpa? You know, they, they'd get that table to talk. I'd get on that table, and I never could get that table to rise. <laughs> but, I, but now I look back on I think that was God protecting me from that. So I always feel like he always protected me. Um, somewhere in probably early high school, I went to a revival at actually Calvary Baptist Church here in Bloomington, and there was an altar call, and I did go forward and give my life to Jesus that day. But I will tell you that I went on, went to college, and went on with my sinning ways. I wasn't discipled, but I still feel like God had his hand on me through that whole time. It wasn't until I had children, and there's one of my magnificent children there. It's going to embarrass her, but I remember when she was born and my son was born, I remember thinking, I, 
Rick and I could not have done this on our own. There's no way we could have created something like that. God had to have his hand in it. So at that point, I started going back to Sunday school and church. In fact, I, I led Sunday school classes and was a leader in some of the things in our church. So I just, it's been a faith journey. Can I say there's one moment that I know that I was saved? No, but God has always, always been with me. One time I remember I was out walking, was when I was trying to be healthy and walking, and I remember coming back into the house, coming up the lane at the house in the country, and I remember um, thinking that things weren't going right or whatever, and I remember, Lord, what is going on? I have you in my life. What is going on? Why am I suffering? And I remember distinctly hearing the Holy Spirit say, I want more of you. I remember that distinctly. And I started going to Bible study and really digging into his word. And I remember reading the Bible like four times through because I wanted to know what it said. Do I, did I understand everything in the Bible? Heck no. But I just read it and, and just, just let the Lord lead me through that. So I started going to Bible study, which I will say... Um, Bible study, really, really, I'm so glad we have Larry up here to preach to us, but Bible studies really help you dig in. Um, and one of the things, you're going to be leading a Bible study called The Purpose Driven Life. One of the things, the first line in that book is, it's not about you. It's not about you. So get over yourself. It's not about you. So that, you know, it's just chances to grow spiritually to be, because we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to become more like him. It's not about what we want and, and our, what, what we want in life. It's about what we can do for him. So let's see. I do have a cheat sheet here because I can tend to ramble. I get that from Larry. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Larry. <laughs> um, let's see. So I started attending Bible study. Oh, in 1999, my mom died. And my dad was still living at that time. And this was one of the hardest times for me. Mom died, and I wasn't particularly close to my mom, but I was close to my dad. My mom had dementia. And two months after mom died, dad starting, started dating another lady, and they got married six months later. And, and I'm not going to try to say anything bad about anybody, but I, the first thing I asked Dad when he told me he was going to get married was, well, Dad, what are we going to do about holidays? Because, you know, at that point, I'm just trying to hang on to family, right? Oh, we'll work something out. Well, we didn't. You know, I really felt like pushed out, like the evil stepchild, wasn't really, didn't feel included. That was a really, really hard time in my life, and I felt like I lost my mom and my dad that same year. And in fact, Amy can attest one time she was, living at home then, and I woke up and I was just sobbing, sobbing. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that experience for the world because it allowed me to crawl up into my Lord's lap and have him comfort me. And I went from my, depending on my earthly father to depending on my heavenly father. So those tough times really can grow you closer to the Lord. And I would not trade that. 2007, I'm almost done here, Larry, if you're timing me. If I'm wondering too much. <laughs> in 2007, we got the call. I got a job in New York, so we went to New York. And while we were there, we well, let me tell you the story about how we found our house. We were looking for a fixer-upper. 
we looked at several houses and couldn't find one. Well, we finally found a house and it wasn't a fixer upper. There was nothing we needed to do to move into that house. So again, that shows how God knew what we needed. We moved into that house and the neighbors right next door had a Bible study. And the neighbor, Jack, used to come over and tell Rick all the time, come on over to the Bible study, come on over. And you know, Rick had never been to a Bible study at that point, right? So, um, you know, yeah, we will. Well, I think we started going that August, and then the neighbors right next door got were, were coming to the Bible study. So we really got that sense of community out in New York. And then we started going to a church right over the Pennsylvania border, and it was a small church. And I'm, and I'm proud to say that Rick got baptized we were, while we were out in New York in the Kalineski River. And that was just such a special, special day for us. And then we came home and we were looking for a small church because we liked the feel of that small church. Well, we'd gone to a couple of churches and some were too big, you know, just didn't feel like the right fit. One week I had been talking to somebody and two different people told me, well, why don't you try Friends and Family Fellowship? Two, so I figured, I told Rick, I said, well, when you hear it twice, you better not ignore it. So we came, and I will tell you, you know, we've heard witnesses and testimonies um, the last few weeks, and they're all talking about Russ Carter, you know? I wish Russ had been earlier in my life, but I will say, the day we came to the door, Russ was the first one to hug us. But I get hugs from all of you people, and that's so special. So here we are um, at Friends and Family, and I feel like God has led us here. I, I do want to say, and I want to say this especially to my daughter, that someday I, I've lost the sting of fear of death. And, so, and, and you guys know I'm not coordinated. I, fall, I can fall over my own, <laughs> my own fingernail. But um, when, when God calls me home, I am going to be running. You're going to hear thunder because I'm going to be running as fast as ever. I'm going to win that race, and I'm going to be running and fall in my Savior's arms. And I look forward to that day, and so I don't want anybody here to be sad on that day because I'm going to be where I belong. This world is not my home. That's it. That's Amen. it. Did I, did I do <laughs> Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you so much. Mr. Russ, will you come, please, and read the scripture for this morning? And let's stand as we hear the reading, if you would, please. Thank you, Joyce. We love you very much. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your scripture. We thank you for this group that we meet with. We pray a blessing on each one that's here. We especially ask, Lord, for Linda, who is 
Laura's sister and Wendy, Kirsten, and Jim, and they're they're moving to Arkansas. We're going to miss Wendy. And for Ellen, and we ask, Lord, that can't read my own writing. We ask your blessing on our church. We pray, Lord, that you'd be with us and strengthen our church. And for my wife, Joanne, and Dick is going to have surgery on March 22nd. We pray for him. Pray also for the doctors, the staff, the medicine, anything that's affecting that. And we give you praise, Heavenly Father, for Marilyn. And we thank you for all these things. And we ask you to bless Larry and be in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Russ Carter. Thank you very much. I'd like to talk to you here for a couple of minutes about some important things. Fellowship, worship, outreach, growth, and service. And did you notice that Dick Jenkins could wrap those off very quickly in his presentation today? I just thought that was great. And so Dick Jenkins, uh, early on, learned the basic things that we do here at Friends and Family, which is fellowship, worship, outreach, growth, and service. So that's how we uh, define our ministry, and those are the purposes. We call them FWOGs. Not frogs, frogs, but it's close, right? It's great to have you here today. I know you made an effort to get here. It didn't just happen, but thanks for showing up and thanks for being here together with us. I always think that when we come together that there's a reason for it. I think there's a reason you're here today. And I pray that as you leave today, that you'll leave knowing that you've not only been here with us, but that you've actually been with the Lord and that you feel it his presence in your heart as you go that personal intimate relationship with god that we'd like for everybody to have that warmth that sense of value that sense of being loved we want that to be true for you and if you're wondering about your value wondering about your life you found a good place to be for this next for this hour this morning because God loves you he truly loves you he really does and Christ died for you he loves you that much and we love you too maybe imperfectly but we do love you and we're glad you're here today so God bless you and give you his strength give you his love give you his comfort because I know sometimes life gets hard. It's always a challenge. There's always a challenge. There's always a problem. So don't give up and don't be discouraged because the Lord is with you. And always remember this. As a matter of fact, this sense of being together brings us comfort, brings us strength. I don't know if you feel that or not, but it's true. When we come together, when we see each other, when I see you, it just, what do they call that stuff that goes off in your brain that makes you happy? Endorphins. When I see you walk through the door, I get a shot of endorphins. So thank you very much. <laughs> you probably didn't realize that you could do that to me, but you do. And it happens for you too. When you see those that you know and those that you love, it gives you a sense of joy. 
fellowship is the first of the flogs. Fellowship is, as Russ Carter says, two fellows in a ship. In a way, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? Working through life together, trying to find the right way, sort it all out. Oh, why does it have to be so complicated? Why does it have to be so hard? Wouldn't it be great if we could just wake up and not have any struggles or any problems? Well, I went past a, a place this morning where there are literally hundreds of people who have absolutely no problems. It's uh, the Atlanta Cemetery. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I guess I have to tell you that I feel glad that I still have some problems. Because if you have problems, just pinch yourself. You're still here. And God still has a reason for you being here. So don't be discouraged because you're facing problems and difficulties. It's a good thing to have problems, right? Amen. That's what I thought somebody would say amen right there, Russ. Amen. Amen. That's right. Okay. Just wanted to be sure. Yeah, there are no problems out there. I'd rather be over here than over there, at least for the time being. How many of you want to go to heaven, lift a hand? Amen. All right. Well, I noticed one fellow didn't lift his hand. I wonder what the deal was. And I asked him, and he said, well, I thought you were getting up a batch to go right now. <laughs> uh, that's an old preacher joke. I had to throw that in. But thank you, Joyce, for sharing your testimony. And I'd like for you to think about the connection between hearing the testimony of one of our fellow Christians and what we've read this morning in the Scripture. Because it says there, what we have seen and which we have, that which we have heard, we're passing it on to tell you about it. And that is what Christian fellowship basically consists of. It's sharing the experience that I have had with you and you sharing the experience you have had with me and with others. So in that respect, that's Christian fellowship. And you may remember in our scripture reading that which we have heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. In other words, personal experience, personal testimony is what John, the writer of this, is talking about. Now, how important is fellowship? It's very important. And the only time that you realize how important it is is when you don't have it. It's the old saying, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry, right? You don't miss the water because why? You take it for granted. It's always there. You can always count on it. It's an important part of your life, but you kind of take it for granted. I think we tend to take each other for granted. I know we do. We tend to take coming to worship on Sunday for granted. We do. We tend to just think, oh... Yeah, I guess I'll go to church today. You know, kind of a, did that tone of voice communicate <laughs> what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I guess I'll go to church today. As though it's some kind of a burden, some kind of a pain in the neck. Yeah, I cleaned that up, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh boy, oh boy, yeah, I guess I should go, or, you know, kind of an obligation. But wait a minute, what if there was no church? What if there were no Christians? What if there wasn't a place where you could go? What if you lived in a country where if you went to church, you'd be shot or you'd be killed and your, your friends would all be removed from you? Well, such things have happened in the world. 
we have uh, on our cable channel uh, the History Channel, and you watch a lot of these programs about Adolf Hitler and the terrible Nazis and the Germans in World War II, and you just, it's almost unbelievable that that all happened about a little over 50, 75 years ago. Amazing horror on the earth. And I want to tell you about a man who lived during that time. His name was Dietrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian pastor from Germany. And while he was doing his ministry in Germany, there was in the 30s, the 20s and the 30s, the uprising of the Nazi party. Adolf Hitler became uh, democratically elected to his position and then as he gained more power, he wrested even more power from people and became the dictator of the nation. And he began a terrible persecution of anyone who disagreed with him. They were destroyed, they were murdered, and he particularly blamed the Jews for the problems that Germany had had the bread lines, the suffering, the unemployment, the horrors of culture and society that they were experiencing were all blamed on the Jews. And so what do you do? You have to get rid of these Jews. You have to kill these people. And they began this murderous process. Now, people who are Jewish are mostly, especially devout Jews, are very much people of faith. And they believe in God, and they pray to God. And in the Holocaust, when they were in those camps, they prayed that God would deliver them. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. But they were murdered by the tens of thousands. They were murdered by the millions. And all the prayers seemed to fall on deaf ears. As a matter of fact, there were people of faith, Jewish people, that after the Holocaust and after the war, they said, I no longer believe in God because it doesn't seem to make any difference. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Christian pastor, noticed this. He noticed this. And other people noticed that this murderous cycle was continuing and ongoing and ongoing. And the question arises in the mind of the, of the good man, the godly man, the decent man, the upright person. How long can we stand idly by and watch this? How long? And so the Christian principles begin to work Love your enemy, turn the other cheek. All of the concepts and the philosophies of Christian thinking and theology ran counter to what their instinct was to stop this. It's a terrible dilemma when the circumstances of life are such that your Christian principles are in conflict with the reality that you're facing. And this is one of the great challenges of living in a, in a world like this fallen world that we live in. So finally, it was 
a very difficult decision for him and other Christians to make the determination that if this was to stop, that it would have to be stopped. And so they entered into a pact together to find a way to remove Adolf Hitler. And the way that you removed him was you killed him. And you got rid of him because he was the one ordering the death of millions of people. Okay. What happened was that the plot to assassinate him was uncovered. And of course, all those who were involved in the plot, along with many others who weren't, just wholesale were gathered together. Many of them were executed forthwith. And because of his popularity and his standing and his prominence and not wanting to alienate the people any further than he had already, he gave a prison sentence to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a prominent, well-known pastor. And so he was in prison along with several others. And in this prison, he was forced to live in isolation, complete solitude, away from everybody else. He, in his heart of hearts, had already suffered enough conflict with his theology and his reality. And now his circumstances were screaming, maybe this was all a big mistake. And yet he knew that his heart was in the right place and his intentions were noble, that he was trying to save the people of Israel, the Jewish people. But he is alone in this cell, and there is nobody to talk to. There aren't any other Christians around. There aren't any other people to tell what they had seen and what they had heard from the beginning. There were no other people to talk about their faith in God. There were no other people to remind him of Jesus Christ. He was living in isolation. And in this isolation, he began to write. And he wrote a book and passages about Christian fellowship, fellowship. And he said, the Christ in my brother is, the, the Christ in me is weak. The Christ in me is weak. But the Christ in my brother is strong. Do you know what he means? Sometimes you just feel like you're kind of beat down. Sometimes you feel like, well, what's the use? Sometimes you think, I've tried. I'm trying to live a Christian life. I'm trying to stay close to the Lord. It just seems like I'm in this struggle. And I just feel like I'm probably the worst Christian in the world. I just don't know what I can do to kind of help myself get better at this. And then you come to church. And then you hear a song. Or you hear a word from the scripture 
or you see somebody that is an inspiration to you and you say, oh, it is so wonderful to see you. It's so good to be together with my brothers and my sisters. What a fortunate thing that I was here today. And you go encouraged, restored, renewed, believing more in the Lord and in the importance of the Christian life. And it kind of brings into focus what really matters, but it comes because you're with your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. It helps. And the scriptures tell us, hey, don't forget to get together with each other. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's not for a burden on your back, but it's for your benefit. Well, as the uh, Allies moved across Germany and the great Third Reich began to crumble, in those final days, Hitler ordered the execution of all prisoners. And on an April morning in 1945, I believe, could have been 44, 45, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was forced to walk naked from his prison cell. A rope was put around his neck and he died hanged. And one of the guards, the Nazi guards, said, I never saw a man die with more courage and more strength than Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Well, he is an inspiration to many millions of Christians around the world. And to us this very moment. And he did that without the support and the encouragement of his brothers and sisters. He did it alone, but he wasn't alone. Because Joyce points out this morning that when your father and your mother are not there, the Lord will lift you up. The Lord will lift you up. But let us never forget the value of fellowship, being together, seeing each other, stay in touch with each other. Please do it. It's important. You never miss the water till it isn't there. Christian fellowship strengthens me. The Christ in me truly is weak. When I come together with you on Sunday here, I leave stronger, stronger, happier. And I hope and pray that that's true for you too. how fortunate we are that we can have fellowship with each other and truly our fellowship as the scripture says this morning is with God the Father and Jesus Christ his son that's real fellowship and we write these things to you for your joy and for your benefit and for our joy and our benefit as well this is the word of God Thanks be to God for it.
Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.